This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Facebook has uh, unveiled uh, plans to develop their own cryptocurrency called Libra, as well as a new financial system using it. The company had been working on a blockchain-based payment system for more than a year. They announced yesterday that they are doing this with around 27 partners, including companies like Uber and MasterCard. They said that they will not operate Libra, instead relying on an independent association to manage it. The social media giant is betting that at least a percentage of its over 2 billion users worldwide will use the currency platform. But at the same time, Facebook remains under significant scrutiny over privacy concerns, data breaches, and the selling of consumer data to third parties. Plus, cryptocurrency is still difficult to use, and it is a largely unregulated financial system. With more, we are joined here in studio by Itai Goldstein, who's a finance professor and economics professor here at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And also joining us on the phone is Ari Jules, who is a professor of computer science at Cornell University at the Jacobs Technion Cornell Institute at Cornell Tech. Itai, great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Ari, great to have you with us today. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank you. Uh, so in your opinion generally, Itai, is this the right time for Facebook to making be making such a move with all that it is kind of involved with right now? Yeah, I, I think it is a very tricky time because they're facing issues with uh, privacy concerns, with uh, market power. Uh, th- there is uh, generally a crackdown on uh, the so-called big tech and how much power they have. And now basically they want to expand into finance, into banking and kind of become uh, the bank of the world, the central bank of the world, whatever you want to uh, call it. I, I, th- I think it's going to generate a lot of concern. Ari? Well, I think there are a number of unresolved technical problems not addressed in their white papers. And one of the biggest is privacy, something that Facebook, of course, particularly today, needs to be sensitive to. So it will be interesting to see how the system evolves. In particular, there's really no well-developed story in the white papers about transaction privacy. And the system appears to operate like Bitcoin, which leaks a lot of information about users' transactions. So how would the, how would this system from the computer side, Ari, how would this all work for the consumers? Because it, it seems like the, the want to link the over 2 billion users to Facebook to these systems is, is where they want to go. Yes, and this raises another question, namely the question of usability. The Achilles heel of almost any cryptocurrency system is key management it's very hard for users to manage their private keys. These are the keys that they use to authorize transactions and participate in the system in general. And it's estimated that something like 4 million Bitcoin, representing many billions of dollars in value, have been lost simply because keys have evaporated, because keys have been lost by users. They're also frequently stolen. So Facebook needs to think through how users are going to manage their keys. And the only way to do this that also supports a high degree of usability is to have users' keys managed for them by some corporate entity, presumably. And then the decentralization story begins to break down. So there are a lot of open technical questions here. 
Itai, uh, from the finance side, uh, you're talking about uh, potentially with the companies that are involved, a, a a significant investment already. But the I guess the expectation that this has the opportunity, if it were to work properly, to have a significant impact on on how we do banking moving forward. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is correct. Um, so, I mean, for, for Facebook, this is a big uh, opportunity, obviously. Uh, with over 2 billion users around the world, people are buying uh, stuff uh, all the time, uh, using online platforms for that. Uh, but right now, all the transaction fees are going to other companies uh, like Visa, MasterCard, and, and, and so on. And basically what they want to do is they want to get their hands on it and and have all these uh, people using their currency and as a result benefiting to some extent from the transaction fees. They're saying that the transaction fees will be lower. uh, But even if if the fees are lower at the end of the day, uh, taking them on such a huge base is obviously uh, potentially very uh, profitable. Uh, Now, uh, you know, things like that have been done already in other places. So if you think about uh, China, for example, you have the WeChat and you have the Alibaba and and they kind of have uh, similar versions of it. Uh, But this is mostly limited to to China. You have other things like that in other countries like Kenya and so on. But but now Facebook is is kind of going to bring that to a global scale and having people all over the the world uh, doing that which is potentially very profitable, but but it will have uh, big implications to other currencies, to money in in general. Um, And and, and I think, as I said in the beginning, I think many concerns also. MasterCard was one of the companies I mentioned at the top that's involved with this. And and I guess it's a unique dynamic to see them involved early on. Obviously, they have a a large section uh, of the payments processing around the world at this point. Do, does it feel like that 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 they understand that the potential is there in the future that you're going to see a significant shift? I I would to a degree expect them to be more protecting of their own market, of their own market share than to potentially partner up with a company like Facebook. Yeah. Um, so what they are trying to do is basically to hedge uh, because right now they are the incumbents uh, in some sense the old uh, technology. And there is a new technology that is being introduced gradually over different platforms that is is threatening them and and potentially can disrupt their business. So effectively what they are doing is they are trying to jump on that wagon also and have a share of it so that if those technologies uh, take control, they are not completely out of business and and they will have some share of the new technologies. But again, this is in the industry, cryptocurrency right now, that – that does have a variety of concerns about it, as uh, as Ari mentioned before. Uh, and so this is not a secure entity in, in any form, at least up until this point, and certainly not as secure as what we understand traditional banking has in place. Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of question marks about how secure it is and how secure it can potentially be. Um, I think th- there are many issues with um, the, the stability of, of these uh, currencies, uh, which uh, which people are going to to worry about. Um, I, I certainly think there are many concerns uh, going forward, um, but but there, there is also potential. And as a as a result, you know, uh, sort of the old technology firms want to have a share of it, so that if those th- things uh, do uh, become more prominent, uh, they will be part of it. Ari, from the tech side, how secure do you think cryptocurrency can be moving forward? Um, in some ways, highly secure. Keep in mind that the Bitcoin blockchain has been running continuously 
with a few hiccups, but no major disruptions for over a decade now, uh, roughly a decade. So blockchain technology, this is the technology that underpins cryptocurrencies, has shown itself to be fairly robust. What Libra will use initially is somewhat different from the system that Bitcoin is using. There's no mining involved. That's the process of using computing power to generate coins in Bitcoin. But the system, I think one has good reason to believe, will be fundamentally robust in the sense that the blockchain will be resilient to disruption by adversaries, assuming it's well engineered. They've laid very sound theoretical foundations, let's say, for the construction of the blockchain itself. The so-called consensus algorithm they're using is based on well-studied techniques, and they've taken pains to prove its security formally. Where there's a lack of security, where security becomes tricky, is in, as I said earlier, things like the management of users' keys. And if the system ultimately is used to manage user identities, then there will be considerable security problems because, again, key management is so tricky. And if keys are stolen and identities are represented on a blockchain, for instance, then there's a risk of things like identity theft. And so go I would say essentially that the foundations seem reasonably solid. The question is, how are they going to layer applications ranging from cryptocurrency ultimately to other things securely on top? But that going back to that issue of stability, uh, Itai, which I know is an important component for you in, in looking at this, the banking system that we have in place, taking cryptocurrency out of it, has been, I think, a, a pretty stable entity for a long period of time. Uh, that stability, that issue of stability becomes incredibly important now when you're talking about having more and more information and more and more currency passing on a, on a digital platform. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the issue of financial stability is a major issue to think about going forward uh, with cryptocurrency and also with uh, the currency that Facebook is, is uh, trying to, to introduce. I mean, I mean, if, if you look at uh, Bitcoin, I think one of the biggest challenges with it was the uh, huge fluctuations that you see in in the price. I mean, Bitcoin is going up to nineteen thousand and then goes back yeah. down to three thousand, and uh, th this is uh, really problematic, especially for people who are using it uh, for transactions. Um, I mean, if this is meant to be a means of payment, you are expecting something more uh, stable, and and it is just uh, fluctuating uh, wildly. Now. Um, Facebook is obviously aware of it, and, and they want to have a, a coin that is not going to be so volatile. They call it a stable coin, which is, is basically meant to be a, a currency that is pegged to other stable assets like uh, the U.S. dollars or, or other currencies. Uh, and, and this is how they advertise it. They basically say that this will be stable, that it won't fluctuate so much, and that it will be pegged to, to other currencies. But that opens up a lot of uh, a lot of other questions. Um, I, I think what they have in mind is that they, they want to uh, peg uh, th this coin to a basket of other currencies and other assets, not just the dollar. Um, and I think there are huge questions as to whether they can actually do it. 
whether this can actually be resilient in times of, of stress. And again, I'm not talking here about the technological aspects of it, but I'm talking right. about the, you know, for example, if, if everyone wants to convert their uh, Libra into uh, dollars or other uh, currencies at the same time, this is effectively what we think of as a run uh, and, and, and whether they, they could actually su- sustain that. Uh, I think you, you need to have a lot of understanding in uh, managing assets, investing in safe assets, managing reserves. I'm not sure they, they, they are in that uh, position. And I'm, I'm also worried that, um, you know, at the end of the day, if this is going to be so popular, the demand that they're going to impose on other safe assets in the world is, is going to be very big and potentially not manageable. So, Ari, taking those concerns that Itai just laid out, how does that impact this potentially from the technological side? Well, so my understanding from the white papers is that they're planning to maintain a one-to-one ratio between coins and reserves. Now, they're not going to do fractional reserve banking. That makes things much simpler and, of course, means that the system will be highly stable. It also means that a large quantity of cash essentially needs to be parked somewhere. And then the question is, how do they compensate for the lost interest on this idle money, presumably through transaction fees? But there is no clear business model articulated in their publications thus far. So there are certainly considerable open questions about how the system is going to work from a financial perspective and from a technical perspective. There are so-called stable coins, uh, one, for instance, called MakerDAO, that attempts to maintain a peg artificially. In other words, not using one-to-one backing with fiat or real-world money. Those systems, I think, have highly questionable stability. I have serious doubts myself about MakerDAO and its like But that's not what Facebook is purporting to do. You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about Facebook and their, uh, it looks like, move into cryptocurrency uh, in the uh, next several months going into 2020. We're joined here in studio by Itai Goldstein, who is uh, with the Wharton School, Ari Jules, who is at Cornell University. Your comments at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account at DanLoney21. I I guess then when you're talking about the banking and the finance, then does that bring in the the want to use a foundation to be able to kind of set the structure, Itai, for this entire process? Facebook has said it doesn't want to manage it right off the bat. That's why they are bringing in all these other companies as part of this this foundation, this Libra foundation that they're going to have. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I, I, I think that uh, they want to run it as a foundation with uh, many different partners who are already big established companies, partly to uh, sort of convey the, the stability. Uh, but, but I think also for other reasons, uh, w- which is also to increase the credibility uh, to alleviate the concerns about uh, privacy and, and thinking that, you know, uh, Facebook is going to be in charge of, of everything. Um, so so I, th- I think they thought about it from different angles, and, and probably that seemed like the right solution from these different angles. At least from a marketing perspective, this Libra Foundation, by name, will not have any connection to Facebook, which obviously right now is an important component because of all of the issues that Facebook is going through. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, and I, th- I think they uh, go to great length to, to convey that, uh, you know, 
they will not be the ones uh, managing it, uh, but rather it will be this foundation that will be independent and that will be controlled by many other uh, entities. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to be a little skeptical about that, right. how, how independent it's going to be, but I think this is at least the message they're trying to convey. Ari, in terms of the cryptocurrency world in general, and, and, and maybe more specifically here in the United States, I mentioned at the top that, that this is an area, this is an entity that is not regulated a, at this point. How much do you think we will see that as an idea being brought forward in the months to come, especially now that Facebook wants to dip its toe into this water? I think regulation is going to be essential. And in particular, regulators will have to think through things like AML, KYC, anti-money laundering, know know your customer. In other words, Facebook is going to have to be, or rather the nodes running the system, the entities running the system, are going to have to be in a position to provide governments, to provide regulators with information about the users of the system and the transactions that are being made through the system. What is typically done with respect to existing cryptocurrencies is to focus on ingress and egress points, so-called exchanges. The presumption is that cryptocurrency is only really useful for most purposes. If you want to buy something in the real world, it's hard to do with cryptocurrency. It's only useful for most purposes when it's converted into fiat, into cash. And therefore, it suffices for the most part to monitor transactions through exchanges to be able to keep tabs on abuses of cryptocurrency. That could change fundamentally with Libra, because if Libra itself becomes the equivalent of or a substitute for fiat currency, then there's no need to cash out of Libra, in other words, to convert to fiat in order to use the currency, and then transactions within the system, as opposed to transactions at the boundary of the system, become important, and regulators will need to be able to monitor them. And that raises fundamental questions about privacy, transactional privacy, identity privacy, and so on and so forth, which, as I mentioned, don't seem to have been addressed yet or thought through yet, at least based on the evidence we have. So then, then, uh, Itai, how close then would a regulatory framework for cryptocurrency, especially with Facebook be involved, be similar to the regulatory framework we already have in place with the banking sector here in the U.S. and around the world? So I think this issue is uh, evolving and uh, has been evolving over the last uh, few years. You know, with the general rise of uh, fintech, um, regulators in the U.S. and in other uh, countries have basically struggled with how to define uh, these new currencies, these new financial uh, entities, uh, whether they should be regulated like like banks uh, and, and, and so on. And, and I think in general, the regulatory framework has been lagging uh, behind, and uh, this has been a major concern about the development of fintech and cryptocurrency uh, in particular. Uh, you know, actually, th- this uh, introduction of the Libra, of the Facebook uh, coin, can potentially give a boost to this uh, regulatory effort, because if, if this is now going to indeed happen and, and be prominent, I think uh, they will face a situation where they have to think much more seriously about uh, regulation and, and indeed trying to adopt some of the regulations that they had for existing uh, financial uh, institutions into these new entities. 
Ari, potentially, who benefits the most from from this particular move, assuming that that Facebook is able to continue building these partnerships in this foundation and be able to get this this up and running? Well, one of their stated goals is a really admirable one, namely to bring financial power to the unbanked. There are hundreds of millions, billions of people uh, in the world who don't enjoy the access to financial services that we do in developed countries like the U.S. And the lack of good financial services is a huge impediment, of course, to financial growth, and it impacts the quality of life, the livelihoods of these people. If Facebook can achieve its goal of providing something as good as having a bank account, I think that will do the world a lot of good in general. So that facet of the project, I think, is a really appealing and, as I said, commendable one. I guess the question then is, is the percentage of people that may fall into that unbanked category, how many of them are, are on Facebook already? Yes. I mean, I don't know. My impression is actually a pretty sizable number. Penetration of mobile devices mm-hmm. worldwide is quite high, but I don't have figures at my fingertips. Then I get Ari, or I'm sorry, Itai, your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree that this is certainly a commendable uh, goal. Uh, you know, in some sense, it already exists in, in some uh, countries. Uh, so I mentioned uh, China before and, and Kenya. They have their own versions of e-money. Um, so it's not like Facebook is uh, doing something that will be completely new, but, but certainly bringing a, a firm like Facebook with, it, uh, uh, with, with all the users that it has worldwide uh, can make it uh, easier and, and potentially serve uh, more people. Um, you know, I, I think it remains to be seen whether this goal is indeed uh, going going to be uh, achieved. Um, you, you asked who is this going to help the, the most. Uh, you, you know, you, you can't avoid thinking that obviously Facebook will benefit from yeah. it uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, again, I, I will go back to the uh, skepticism and the concerns that I raised in the beginning, uh, in particular having to do with the market power that Facebook already has. Uh, you know, one would be concerned about them controlling not only all the information, but also uh, the bank accounts of so many people worldwide. But again, Ari, this is just another way for Facebook to be able to gain more consumer data from the people that are using Facebook, but obviously doing it in, in, a, in a different sector. That's right. They see not only who your friends are now, but um, who you're, whom you're paying the Libra system, presumably, if they're acting as a node uh, in the system and um, acting as a, a broker, essentially, on behalf of users that want to perform transactions in it. And, of course, their history of privacy protection is pretty poor. Um, and as I said, there's no well-articulated privacy story that I can discern around Libra at this point. So I think there is real cause for concern. And I think the cryptocurrency community in general has been concerned for some time about what is essentially a kind of libertarian project, one that's meant to empower individuals being co-opted by corporate concerns. And Libra, in many ways, flies in the face of the ideology behind Bitcoin. So I do certainly think there's cause for real concern. I don't think that the administration of cryptocurrencies by 
a, um, a small set of entities as opposed to uh, a permissionless system has to be a bad thing. And it's worth pointing out also that there are plans to transition Libra into what's called a permissionless system, an open system like Bitcoin. But presumably, a lot of the infrastructure surrounding the blockchain, the cryptocurrency, is already in place at that point. And corporate interests have managed to integrate themselves so deeply into the system that users are going to be dependent on them, even if the system is nominally permissionless, nominally of the form of Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these other open cryptocurrencies. Great having you both with us. Itai, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Good Ar to be here. Ari, great to have Thank you with you us much. on the phone. Thank you. Itai Goldstein from here at the Wharton School, Ari Jules at Cornell University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.